Hey, this is Justin Caleb, and you're listening to On the Fly with Stevie. You are listening to On the Fly. What's up, guys? On the Fly is back again. You can hardly see me in there. I'm, my angle is terrible here. We are back again, and we've got another Brickshaw Media artist. And it's not really what you call what we're used to tonight. It's not really a country music artist. This is like a soul far. She's got a lot of Motown. She, if you like Motown, if you like like beach music, stuff like that, this is your girl right here. She's uh, just released her newest single, Say So, with me tonight. Tonight, I can't talk straight, Miss Carlisle Griffin. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm great, Stevie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for being here tonight. We we appreciate you taking time out of your visit. And there you go. I hit the button and you started singing again. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. And uh, yeah. Uh, so growing up, you grew up in Walter, Walterboro, South Carolina, which is South Carolina, yes. An hour from Charleston. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was Miss Carlisle Griffin listening to as a kid? What was some of your first music memories? Oh man, I was all over the place as a kid. Um, I did grow up on the on the beach. We spent a lot of time there in the summer, so beach music was a huge part of of yeah. my childhood. A lot of the doo-wop bands, a lot of you know, like the Temptations and the Four Tops and the Emotions and all that kind of stuff. Um, we listened to a ton of that when I was, when I was young. And then, um, my dad was a big country music fan, a lot of George Strait and, uh, Alan Jackson, Merle Haggard, that sort of thing. Um, and then when I was in probably like late middle school, early high school, I kind of started to develop my own taste and, um, got into the sort of 60s, 70s, mellow, classic rock, folk rock very singer songwriter sort of stuff. So it was kind of all over the place a little bit when I was, when I was that age. Yeah. Watching some of your stuff on YouTube and some of your shorts. Uh, when I was talking to you earlier before we went on Hall and Oates, uh, I heard you do a great rendition of Sarah smile. Uh, I mean, Hall and Oates was like one of those, you know, and I'm probably a, a, a right much older you. I don't know how I'm almost 50 now. So, when I was a, like, oh gosh, 12, 11 or 12, you didn't have the little Apple music and all this. You had the radio and a, like a, they called it a jam box. You re-recorded, you hit pause and record and waited for it. And Holland Oats was all over the place from Private Eyes, A Kiss on My List, uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Smile, and just so many. I mean, they were such a great group back then. It's hard not, I can't, I can't imagine. And there you go again. I can't imagine not anybody not liking Hollow Notes. Yeah, they were definitely a big one too. There's a lot of songs by Hollow Notes that I like, and some that I found kind of later on that I didn't know when I was when I was younger that I've garnered a, a big appreciation for. So they're I've I've always loved their their beats and their styles and all of the kind of new takes that they brought to that genre of music. And also, I'm a big fan of of their songwriting as well. Yeah, there's one song that came. I guess at the kind of the end of their popularity when it wasn't everybody was like, oh, it's not cool to like Hall and Oates anymore. 
uh, when grunge came in, but there was one song that they put out called So Close. I don't know if you've heard that before, but uh, one of my favorite, and it's a, I guess you call it a deep cut, but it's one of my favorite Hollow Notes songs. It's just great. It, and it, the songwriting so great because I, I like hearing stories when, right. you know, and that, this one told a, told a pretty good story on that if you haven't heard it. So when did you decide, I mean, what, when and what made you decide to start music? I mean, did you pick up a guitar or whatever? Yeah, um, I started singing when I was probably five or six years old. I believe I was in kindergarten um, in church. I was in church choir and I had my first solo there. And um, I think my friends and family kind of noticed that maybe I had a little something there. But, you know, that young, you can't tell. really. Um, But as I got older into elementary school, middle school, I continued to do um, to do choir and continue to sing. And I actually was quite bashful for most of my childhood. If my parents ever asked me to sing, if their you know, friends were around, I'd make them close their eyes or turn around or, you know, any, something like that. I, I wouldn't let them watch me. And I think it was, um, I think it was in the sixth grade and they were having a talent show and it was the first, you know, talent show I'd ever been able to enter. And I was going back and forth. I didn't know if I wanted to get up in front of all those people and do it. And, um, I'd always kind of had this dream in the back of my head that one day I was going to be a singer and kind of sat myself down and said, listen, if you, if you can't get up on stage and sing in front of people, you're never going to be a singer. So you better get over it. And, uh, that was kind of all it took. So that little, um, first talent show, I think I sang stay by Sugarland, which is oh, wow. probably not an appropriate song for a 12 year old, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some things you don't realize until much later on, but, uh, yeah, started there, and around the same time I was learning to play guitar, I got my first one when I was 10. My grandma gave it to me for my birthday, and I didn't really have an interest in it. Um, it took me a couple more years. I think I was 13 when I first started to really learn how to play guitar and started to kind of write some of my own songs and took a couple of lessons and then taught myself a few things on on YouTube and um, just kind of went on from there and developed as I went through high school and college. Yeah. It's amazing. You can learn anything on YouTube. I That's fixed, true. I fixed the washing machine because of YouTube Everybody, <laughs> and I was scared yeah. to death because I, all my friends were like, Oh, you can do it. Just look at YouTube. And I was like, I don't know about that, but yeah, there's a well, wood. everything went good so far. Absolutely. So when did you know that music is what you wanted to pursue? It's a great question. Uh, I think that was probably when I was going into college. Um, I went to Clemson University, graduated from there in 21. And I went in as a communication major, uh, music minor. I didn't want to major in music because I didn't want it to become a chore. um, Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I had done some some intensive music programs in high school. I spent two summers at the um, South Carolina Governor's School for Arts and Humanities as a studying boat voice. Um, and just those, you know, two week intensive summer programs, I, I was thinking, I don't think I can do four years of this sort of okay. curriculum. Um, so I went in as a minor, but I decided to major in communication simply on the fact that it was broad and I could do a lot of things with that because my intention was kind of always to pursue music first before I did anything else professionally. Um, 
but you know some people will will just you know they know off the bat and they go straight from high school and they go to Nashville or they go to LA or right and they start pursuing the dream but I am really really thankful for the time that I spent at Clemson um I made some of my best friends there and got to do a lot of things um and build experience and build myself as an artist within that time that I don't think I would have been able to do had I not gone to school um so it was kind of going into college but also the experiences that I had there and developing as a musician and an artist that kind of when I was done told me yeah this is what you need to go and do for a little while at least so going to Clemson you got to be a football fan right oh of course absolutely <laughs> Trevor Lawrence <laughs> yeah he and I were there at the same time yeah, yeah. We, uh, we had a great great couple football seasons when I was in school we uh we never lost a home football game we won the ACC championship I believe every year and won a national championship too. It was yeah, fun. that's. I can't imagine going to to a Clemson home football game. I'm sure that's a wild atmosphere. Yeah, I I grew up in that atmosphere, so I was very well attuned to it. Uh, <laughs> by the time that I got to be a student, but yeah, there's nothing like it. I, I love Clemson with my whole heart. Yeah, definitely. So, talk about a little bit about making the jump to Nashville. How hard was that for you when you decided? Okay. I need to get, I need to be here. How hard was that for you making that jump? Uh, it was definitely an adjustment. I had, so I graduated from, from Clemson in May of 21. And then I spent some time um, in Charleston over the summer, just playing a couple gigs around, saving some money. And um, I moved in August of that year to Nashville. And I only knew one person um, who I'd gone to school with. She also went to Clemson, graduated a few years ahead of me and was looking for a roommate. And it kind of just all worked out that, you know, she was looking for somebody to live with. And I made it an, an easy decision to go to Nashville because I still, um, when I graduated, wasn't exactly sure if that's where I wanted to go. But the pieces fell together as, and showed me that was the path that I needed to to go on. So, um, yeah, it was it was something I'd never done. I'd never moved to a big city where I didn't know anybody and I didn't have a job. Um, so I got here and unpacked and I was like, all right, this is it. Like, I don't, I don't really know what to do next, but, um, I went out and walked up and down Broadway in Midtown and put in applications to be a bartender and, um, ended up, uh, working at this place called Live Oak, uh, on Demumbrian street in Nashville, which has been, I, I didn't know anything about the bar, uh, when I, when I went in to interview, but it was, it was the only place I believe that, that called me back to come in for an interview after I put an application in. And um, it's a big songwriters bar. They do songwriters nights in there almost every night of the week. Um, and I've been able to make a lot of, of great connections and a lot of great friends through working there. So um, it was it was rough right at the beginning just because I didn't really know, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know anybody <laughs> here. I was just scary. throwing things at the wall and waiting for something to stick. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's been a it's been a wonderful experience. I I have met so many amazing people, so many talented people, and I've been really challenged um, since I've been here. So I, I love it. Yeah, getting your name out there was that a was that a long process for you? Yeah, it, yeah, it it felt like it anyway. Um, it was. I do have a funny story about that kind of. 
I um, was working one Sunday afternoon and, and Live Oak hosts the, uh, the Patriots fan club on Sundays for the football games. Boo. I hate well, that. I, I don't have any NFL affiliation. So I Oh, have, come on now. I think you'd be a Panthers fan. fan. I'm a college football fan after okay, that. Okay, I, I got you. I don't know. I there's a couple teams I like because there's some Clemson players on the team, but that's really that's it. I got you. As, as got far you. As, as my loyalty goes. Um <laughs> but I was uh I was just working, you know, pouring some beers, doing the thing, and one of my bosses came around the corner and he goes, Hey, um, Fan club needs somebody to sing the the national anthem this morning. Can you will you do it? I heard you were like you know a singer or whatever, and uh, I was like, "Are you serious? You need somebody to do it?" And he said, "Yeah, I do." And I said, "Okay," and he said, "Okay," and yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, and so I did, and to a pack bar, and him and one of my other bosses were in the back, and they I, he actually had no idea that I could sing. He had just kind of heard that through the grapevine, I guess. And um, I watched both him and my other boss in, in the back of the bar with their jaws on the floor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> had no idea what to expect, but uh, little did they know, I used to sing the national anthem at, you know, the Clemson baseball games and basketball games and softball games. So uh, that was not something that I had never done before. It was just, you know, kind of cool turkey. But um, yeah, that was a neat thing because I don't think they knew that before I did that it. Pretty cool. it, was, it was a fun, it was a fun day. So I'm sure you were at Clemson at the time, but I'm sure you would get doing your music thing. How everybody talks about the ugly word COVID. How how did COVID affect you during that time? Yeah, that was an interesting year. That was my um partial partially my junior year into my senior year of college. Um so I don't it all kind of happened so fast and it feels like a world ago now. Yeah. I do remember um, we went home for, for spring break um, with this sort of like COVID thing looming over us. And then uh, they pushed us back like two weeks and another two weeks. And we ended up never coming back um, right. that spring semester. And I also, that was, that was uh, my 21st birthday too. And I had tickets to see Cher in Charleston. Uh, oh, wow. For my birthday and a lot of other things planned for that and the entire state shut down about three days before i turned 21. so i do remember turning 21 in COVID, and it was not fun i went to the gas station to buy a beer and the uh, lady at the cash register didn't even card me uh, <laughs> you're like what does it purpose all these years i would have been doing this a lot more often but i tell i tell people all the time you know 21 is not always cracked up to be after you get past that it's like really what else i mean that's it's nothing i mean it so. takes a lot of the pressure off uh yeah but yeah i was a little disappointed with all that um but it it was it put a stop to a lot of things i was um i was playing in a jazz ensemble at the time at clemson um which i really loved i had just kind of gotten into that year i had been taking some jazz guitar lessons um but this was my first opportunity to sing in a jazz ensemble and it was something that I really, really loved. And we had a big, you know, concert we were going to put on and all this stuff that we, we never got to do um, because, you know, the world shut down and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> um, but that following fall semester, um, I don't think I ever stepped foot into a classroom. It was very um, 
isolating, if you will. So I think creatively that was a really difficult time for me because I just didn't, I didn't really know what to, to write about. I didn't have anything going on. There was nobody, you know, around. It was just me. And um, I don't like to focus on my own thoughts too much because I can get a little dangerous. So um, <laughs> it did give me some time, you know, sit down and, and, you know, practice guitar a little bit. And that was nice to have a little bit of extra time to do some of those sort of things. But yeah, creatively, it was very difficult. I mean, it was a lot of just, you know, sort of panic around and wild things in the news. And yeah. um yeah, it was an interesting, interesting time. And I also had my my younger sister had gone to Clemson. It was her freshman year that year. Um, so I did thankfully have her around to kind of, you know, keep my energy up. And right. um, so that was that was a positive of that year was was having her there uh, and getting to to make some more memories with her. But yeah, that was a that was wild. I'm, I'm so glad that is behind us. Right. Me too. Me too. So songwriting, when did you start songwriting? And, and, and I, you know, I, I know people get tired of hearing me say this on these interviews, but I am so in awe of, of songwriters because, you know, you do it. Like I said, I did one song, thought I could do, I did it in like 20 minutes. It just came out like, just like that. And I was like, okay, I can do this, but no, I haven't done one since, but songwriting, when did you start like really songwriting and what kind of process? Cause I know, a lot of these artists tell me there's a, each one of you have a different process that you go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think I always kind of was songwriting and I just didn't know it for a while. Um, it wasn't until I really started playing guitar that I kind of would put two and two together, but I would do a lot of just like words and melodies in my head um, and write random things down in notebooks that were all over the place. Um I think the first full song that I ever remember writing was in the eighth grade. It was about, uh, we read Gone with the Wind in my eighth grade history class. And I fell in love with it. I think I was the only one in the class that actually enjoyed reading the book. Um, but <laughs> I wrote a song uh, that was, I believe, in the point of view of a woman who was kind of going through the same things that Scarlett O'Hara went through in the book and she was like asking Scarlett for advice. Um, that song was wow. also named Gone with the Wind. It was a big hit uh, in my little hometown. <laughs> Still my dad's favorite, I think. Um, but that's the first one that I remember writing and I was like, oh, well you can, you know, draw inspiration for this kind of stuff from, from anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of set the wheels turning and then um, as I, you know, got a little older and started to experience more things in life and writing songs became more of a release than anything else. Um, I think now it's it's partly that it's partly a creative outlet um, somewhere to just put my thoughts and my energy. But it happens in a lot of different ways. It's sometimes like you said with your song, those are the ones that get you that come out in 20 minutes and you're like, yeah, oh, I do this yeah. Times. yeah that happens once in a blue moon. Um I will say that my, my newest song, Say So, I think that one was, um, it was one of those. It, it came out quite quickly after the first few lines were down and I figured out where I was going with it. But um, not all of them happen that way. Typically what I do is um, throughout the day, if I'm just, you know, doing chores or I'm going for a walk or that's when I usually get a lot of my ideas when I'm just kind of singing to myself nonsense things. And 
every once in a while, a line will come out and I'll go, Oh, I think that might be good, good for something. And so I'll write it down and I just have a bunch of random notes of, of things that have popped in my head and I'll sit down and kind of go through those and see if there's anything that's striking me that day that I want, might want to elaborate on. Um, other times it's uh, a chord progression that I like the sound of and I want to put some words to. Um, sometimes I'll write a verse and a chorus and then it takes me nine months to write the rest of the song. Um, it's, it's something that I would like to maybe mainstream a little bit more for myself, um, but I don't think that's how my brain works. My songwriting is kind of haphazardous, just like the way that I think it's all over the place. Yeah, that see that what you talked about with the Scarlett O'Hara song, that's what I like to because you know, I I just look at some of these songs and I was like, you know, people that will draw it from like a part of history or something like that. I'm like, that's a good idea. Why didn't you know why did I think of that or something like that? But yeah, that that's that's great. That's the kind of song I like to hear right there. It's something that you, you know, something that you can relate to. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's, it's like everyday life or, or something out of history like that that you can, you pick up on. That's the kind of song I like to hear there. Yeah. And that's another thing that I do sometimes if I've got a lot of writer's block is well, I'll just pick up an old book and thrift through it and see if anything, you know, kind of sticks out to me and opens up some sort of new avenue that I haven't gone down yet. Um, that's, that's a tool that I've used before to break the ice. So you had uh, some other songs come out before Say So. You had Sympto Symptomatic Daydream. Uh, you had Crash Down on Me. Uh, talk a little bit about getting in the studio and recording like these songs and say so what was it like when you got in that studio for the first time recording yeah so symptomatic is actually an interesting story um i had recorded the demo for that song in charleston before i moved to nashville and about two weeks after two or three weeks after i moved to nashville um i had met a woman at a songwriter's round uh while i was working and introduced myself and i was like hey i'm I'm new to town. Um, I really liked, you know, what you were doing up there. I'd love to get together for a coffee or something and just kind of talk about your experience in town and with songwriting and, and yada, yada, yada. And so we went to coffee the next, the next week. Her name's Allison Park, my friend Allison. Um, we went to coffee the next week and she was playing another round that night. She said, my friend Joel from LA hosts it. Um, you should come out. I'll introduce you. Um, just, you know, so you can make another friend in town and, so I went out and watched her and, and met Joel and he said, well, I have an opening on my round for next week if you want to play. And at this point, I had not played anywhere in Nashville. So I was like, absolutely. I want to get on stage. And, play. <laughs> and he's like, OK, great. Well, um, send me, you know, anything that you have uh, just so I can get a feel for your sound and make sure I can put you with people that compliment your voice on a round. And uh, so I sent him the demo to symptomatic daydream. I said, it's not finished yet, but this is the most recent thing that I have. And um, a few days later, he gave me a call. He said, what, what, what are you trying to do with this? Like, what do you want to put it out? Do you, what do you want to do with it? And uh, I said, yeah, that's, that's the plan. That's what I would like to do with it. Yeah. I just don't know exactly how to go about that. I'm brand new to town. I don't know anybody. 
And he said, well, I'm also a producer and I really love this song. And if you want to put it out, I want to help you finish it. So that kind of started that relationship with Joel, who has produced the last two as well. Um, and so that what we the tracks we had from the demo um, were pretty well intact. And we just recorded the rest in, um, in Joel's home studio. He had the drums and the bass, I believe, from the original track and then re-recorded the guitars and, and vocals and put some pedal steel on it and stuff. So for that one, we didn't go into a full studio. We just kind of did it um, bedroom producer style. Right. Uh, but for Crash Down on Me, um, that was a really neat experience because that was the first time that I kind of went into a studio with a full band with the intention of recording this one song. Because um, I'd been in the studio previously in, in Charleston a few times to record a couple of different demos, but they were kind of just bits and pieces of things and um, which were, were so great, but it was just a different experience of going in there with the intention of doing this one song and being able to leave with it production ready, essentially. Um, but I got to work with a ton of great musicians on that track and I've met uh, a man by the name of Matt Shalika. I always say his last name wrong, but <laughs> he's become a really, really good friend of mine, him and his wife, Sarah. Um, he's got this huge vinyl record business and I collect vinyl records. So we, we get to nerd out. about. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, it's just something that I really loved hanging out in the studio all day with the musicians and just getting to know them and, and their experience and um, cutting my own music. And uh, it's, it was wonderful. And we did the same thing for Say So. And with Say So, we also got to bring in the horn section, which I've wanted for ever. Sure. So that was a whole nother thing that I was just, you know, grinning from ear to ear back in the in the sound booth while they were doing that. So vinyl collector, you bring that up now. Because I've, you know, of course, when I was growing up, vinyl was the only thing you had. You had vinyl and eight track. See, I'm aging myself. Vinyl, mm -hmm. eight track, and then it went to cassette. But I still got some of my vinyl and started collecting a little bit more. My daughter, she's 19. She's actually, she's like retro and she listens yeah. to a lot of the same kind of music that, that I did back then. She, uh, her Christmas list one year was Fleetwood Mac rumors vinyl on vinyl. So yeah, she's, she's a, she's a retro girl, but she, yeah. she likes a little bit of everything, but okay. Let's talk about say so. And the first thing and the thing that you're most proud of up there I, from the way you said you talked about it. First thing you hear, I've noticed is the horns, the horns on there. And it immediately it's got like like I told you before we went on, it's got like a Motown feel, like mm -hmm. a beach music feel, because I'm where I work. Our, our store owner will not play anything but beach music and Motown. And I hear it every day. So I was like, yeah, this kind of sounds like it would belong playing on our store. So say so. How did that come about as far as, you know, as writing, the songwriting? How did you come up with the idea for say so? Yeah, so I was on vacation. I was at the beach when I started writing this song, actually. And uh, when we go on our vacations, typically my my routine, not every morning, but at least every other morning is to get up and, and go for a walk on the beach for a little while before it gets, you know, too hot. 
And I do that. I'd like to take long walks a lot. I do a lot of my thinking at that time. And so I was on that walk and I was just going through things in my head and put together the first few lines of that, of that song. Um, I believe the first two lines of it kind of came out just while I wasn't really thinking about anything. I was just walking along and, you know, enjoying the sound of the waves and all that. Um, and I didn't really know where I wanted to take it yet. And um, I don't believe I had my guitar with me on vacation. I think I was really just trying to take a break. So I wrote it down and I kind of just let it sit for a little while until I got back home. Um, but at that point in time, I was coming up on a year of living in Nashville. Um, I was working a professional job that I wasn't in love with and also still bartending part-time and also still playing gigs and, and rounds and traveling and um, had some other things going on personally that I was just kind of all over the place and was trying to really figure out what I was going to do next, what kind of path I really wanted to take, how much um, of my energy I wanted to put into the music thing. And it kind of all came out um, in that one song as a stream of consciousness when I got back home and sat down on my, with my guitar and tried to write out something. But the interesting part is that I recorded just like a little voice note on my phone and um, sent it to Joel. And he immediately sent right back. He was like, this is great. Like, this is what we need to do next. Because it was something a little bit different um, from my previous songs. It was a little bit more upbeat. Stylistically, it was a little bit different. And so when I got back to Nashville, I went over to his house and we did a demo of it. But the first demo came back and I was just not happy with the way that it sounded with all the, the instruments and stuff. It was more, it was definitely more country than what wow. I envisioned for it. Um, so I kind of did a little bit of research, a little bit of digging. Cause I told him, told him on the last one, I said, on the next one, we're going to have horns. I know I've been <laughs> to the ground, but we're going to. And with the first demo cut, there just really wasn't any room for it. It wasn't that kind of song at all. Um, so I did some, some, some research, uh, to have some things we could compare it to get a, a kind of a different vibe and a different feel for it. And I, the one that we ended up probably, mm, I don't know what, I can't remember what the word I'm looking for is, uh, mirrored it after the most was uh, Spanish Moon by Little Feet. That song has got a, a little bit of a horn drive and kind of a swanky groove to it. And that's what I wanted um, more than anything. So we, we sat back down and, um, changed sort of the, the rhythm and a little bit of the progression and put a little bit more emphasis on the, uh, thank you little bridge towards the end, yeah. make it different than the rest of the song. Um, and we really got to sit down and be artistic with it. And that was, that was a, the really, probably the most fun for me was remolding it into something that was more the idea that I had. And that's been the great thing about, about working with Joel is he can kind of get those things out of me. If even I don't really know what I'm talking about, I can explain it in a way that he understands and can 
make it happen. So that is kind of how that, that song came about. The original version of it is nothing like the one that we actually put out. Um, But I think that's, that's how a lot of songs end up and end up into something that is, that reaches the potential of what the song could be. The horns definitely fit, especially with your voice. Definitely fits that song. You say you were you were right on that. Definitely right on that. Thank you so much. So now comes the part of the show where we do like our two minute drill. So we're okay. getting near the end of the show. Uh, like in football, you got two like a two minute drill. Mm-hmm. So right here is some some quick hitting questions, and we'll see how you come up at the end because uh, it's. I've added I've added a few since the first time I did this. So okay, I'm okay, you get you you're nervous a little. Oh come on now, it's not that. <laughs> all right, here we go. Okay. Favorite album of all time. Oh, that's not fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I well I will well, say you know, I know if it's like me, it changes like maybe by week to week. Yeah. Well. Um, the vinyl collection, record collection that I do have, I have almost 500 of them now. So that's a hard question for me to answer. But I will say probably the most memorable and influential to me just over time is uh, Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Wow. My daughter will love to hear that. Okay. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Diet Coke. I'm not Diet a Coke, Coke. Drinker. A lot of people, I, I don't know what it is. I, I guess in Nashville, Coke must be a thing because Pepsi is like the thing around where I'm at. Yeah, no, so, I think I think Coke's definitely South Carolina. It must be. Coke. must be. Yeah. All right. Favorite artist or group? Uh, I have a hard time answering that question too. Um, or if you got more than one that you want to name, that's fine. Currently, one of my newer favorite artists has been Madison Cunningham. Okay. Um, I hadn't heard of her. I'm going to that Yeah. I don't want to say Stevie Nicks because I already said Fleetwood Mac. Well, that's fine. I mean, it's fine. Say no, what you want. More no wrong answers. answers. There are no wrong answers, right? No, um, no wrong answers. Favorite group? Um... Oh. Say Fleetwood Mac if you want to. No, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say Fleetwood Mac. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay current, and I'm gonna go uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band. Wow, I might have to ask you about them after we get up because I don't, I'm not familiar with them. Lake or ocean? I think I know the answer to this. Ocean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Chocolate. Okay. First gig you remember playing? Ooh, um, other than that little solo in church, my first like acoustic gig, I feel, uh, I don't know. I did a lot of musical theater when I was young too. So those, I'm trying to think my first acoustic gig. I want to say it was my grandparents' 50th high school reunion, but I I think I was, I think I was like in charge of the music, but I think I was DJing. I don't think I played that, but I can't remember. Okay. We're going to go with that, though, because that sounds like a fun answer. Yeah, that is, that's a good one. All right. I'm not going to say album because you're, you're in the CD era. First CD you ever bought? Oh, um, it was one of Hillary Duff's CDs. 
<laughs> we really obsessed with her and she was i don't know if this is one of your questions but she was my first concert too that that was that was and the next question. that was coming up that was coming up so i'll mark that one out favorite, <laughs> favorite sport Ooh, to watch or play okay let's say to watch first to watch uh probably either football or or golf i really like to watch golf I know that's a popular opinion. Y'all puts me to sleep. I see. I coach. I coach football, and a lot of my football players are on the golf team too. And mm-hmm. I'm, they're talking. They'll get in there and start talking about. Well, I was watching them on on someone's and I'm like, dude, no offense, but if I'm watching <laughs> golf, it's on a Sunday afternoon, and I'm yeah. about to fall asleep. Yeah. So, well, that's what I used to think too, because my granddad was a huge golfer, and golf channel yeah. was always on, and I never understood it until I got a little bit older and. But now I really like the sport, and I've been to a yeah. few golf tournaments, and I, I like it a lot. I understand it better now. But the to tab, play, yeah, to play, yeah, to play tennis. Okay. Mm-hmm. See the town, the town I live in. Believe it or not, it's our our population is like ninety five people, and we have somehow we have a golf course and a country club here. Mm-hmm. So I've lived here practically all my life, and I've never played around the golf. Really. Yes. I'm, I'm like, I can, I mean, I've, I've hit golf balls like at a driving range and I can hit the ball, but I can't control where it's going. And I'm like, I will get so frustrated. You know, I know me. So yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't, I've never really played much. I took uh-huh. lessons for a little while when I was a, was a kid, but I always say that tennis is my country club sport of choice. Cause I did, I played tennis in high school and I love tennis. Okay. Yeah. I played tennis. I wasn't very good, but I was I was decent, but uh, couldn't do it now. Mm-hmm. All right, first concert was Hillary Duff. Do you remember? Was there an opening act for Hillary Duff? Do you remember? I don't think so. I don't remember. I was young, and then I, the next one after that was Carrie Underwood and Billy Currington opened up for her. Okay, okay. Favorite but TV I, show? I just want to oh, oh. I've seen a lot of cooler concerts since then. <laughs> But I really was who, who, who was your last concert? Oh, my last concert, I think, was Stevie Nicks. Really? Was that recent? That was in October. I feel like I'm missing okay. one. I think the last one was Randy Rogers Band at at the Ryman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Favorite TV show? Golden Girls. My wife would love you. She is a big time Gold Girls fan. All right, favorite meal? Ooh, uh, either a really really thick ribeye steak, rare with a sweet potato and like green beans, or sushi. I love it. I love it. Pineapple on pizza. Sure, I'll go with it. It's not usually my choice, but my sister loves it, so we eat it a lot. Okay. Favorite movie? Ooh, that's a hard one too. I have I have a lot of favorite movies. We'll go with Tombstone. I think okay. that's, that's a good one. It's up there. And this I'm gonna get a ooh out of you on this one too. Favorite song. <laughs> that's rude. That is a Look, rude. Let me tell you, I, let me tell you this though. When I started doing this with Noel Tolan. And Noel, I was like, 
you know, when I start asking these questions, it's going to be a reaction like you do. It's going to be like, oh, my gosh, you asked me. <laughs> Noelle, with the artist, Richard, she just went, boom, just like that. Favorite song? Uh, what was it? I think it was Forever and Ever Amen with Randy Travis. She just said it just like that. I was like, you didn't even have to think about that. I Yeah, I don't... I have so many that swim around in my head, and whenever somebody asks me this question, they all disappear. Um, Hillary but, Duff. Okay, let me think. Let me think. Give me a second. I don't even remember the songs Hillary Duff sang. So. I don't know. I don't remember any of them at all, but I, at one point in time, <laughs> I knew all of them. Um, I did a podcast recently with a friend of mine where we talked about like our favorite songs that made us really nostalgic, um, just that we've experienced at other, other, other points in our life. And I do remember mentioning this song. I'm not going to, I don't think it's, it's not my favorite, but it is one that I, whenever it comes on, I'm definitely going to groove to it. And it is baby hold on to me by Eddie money. Eddie money. Wow. I love that song. That is way back. That was back when I remember as a kid and you're too young to remember Columbia house record and tape company. They would, they would, you've probably seen the ads. You could get like eight records for a penny. Mm-hmm. And then you had to buy like so many. That was the kick that when they and when they charge you for the ones you had to buy like four in a year. But when they charge you for it, it was so it was like astronomical. It was like twice as much as you pay at the store. Yeah. But my mom and dad, for some reason, when I, I had to be like five or six years old and they got that Eddie Money album and I saw the cover and I was like, who is this guy? Because I was like a diehard Kiss fan. Mm-hmm. I was like, where's the makeup at and all this stuff? But I listened to that that album a lot because I was just so into music then. I was just like, I would listen to anything. And that's how I am now. If it's good music, I'll listen to it. Absolutely. Uh, okay. This is going to be a tough one, too, I think. No surprise. If you could, if you could collaborate with any artist, if they whether they passed away or still living, who would it be? Passed away or still living? Yeah. Anyone, any artist mm. that you could do like a, maybe you could do a duet with or something like that. These are really good questions. You're really yeah. making me think. I try. I try. I try. Um, I want to say, I want to say Aretha Franklin, but I don't think I'd ever want to sing a duet with her. I think I just want to like, I don't know, be in her presence or something. Yeah. Um, I got a funny story to tell you in just a second after you get through. Okay, thinking. okay. I'm gonna say let's go, Jimi Hendrix. Wow, yeah, that's off the wall. Okay, you talk about Aretha Franklin now. So, we live, like I said, about 30 minutes, 30 40 minutes, well, probably 40 minutes to an hour from the Virginia line, but where you live in like a town that's like 20 minutes away. It's right off 95. Mm-hmm. And there's Cracker Barrel in that town. And my wife and her friend went to Cracker Barrel one night. This has been, gosh, it's probably been 15 years ago, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she calls me. She said, you're not going to believe who's in Cracker Barrel. And I said, who? She said, I'm sitting here looking at Aretha Franklin right now. And the Cracker Barrel? She was in Cracker Barrel in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina one night, one Saturday night. And I was like, go up to her and ask for an autograph. She said, I'm not going to ask her for an autograph while she's sitting there eating. That's crazy. Yeah. 
yeah so yeah that would when you said Aretha Franklin I thought about that okay last question and I'll let you off the hook what's your guilty pleasure and what I mean by guilty pleasure is something that you've got maybe on your playlist or maybe that you've listened to that people would not believe that you listen to um well, the first thing that comes to mind, and I don't think anybody would be surprised by this, is my Yacht Rock playlist. I like really love Steely Dan and that Christopher kind of- Cross. Christopher Cross, yes. Oh, you're Robbie so- Dupree. Got me hooked now. I love, love Christopher Cross. Um, yeah, I listen to that like all year round, unironically. Um, I don't know. I think that's probably it. I don't think anybody else enjoys it as much as I do. Yeah. Uh, because I listen to it like recreationally, not just when it's warm and nice outside. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, mine, mine. Because see, I was in the '80s. I had the mullet. I had the. I was like '80s rock, you know, Motley Crue, all those guys. But on my playlist was I was a diehard Debbie Gibson fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, she was. I mean, she was nice to look at. She had good music, and I was like. Still am to this day. I've got some Debbie Gibson CDs over here that I still have right now. But yeah, that was my that, that was my guilty pleasure. Yeah, I think that or um like Return of the Mac or Return of the Mac. <laughs> I love those ones. That's a one hit wonder there. I love that song. That's the what what uh was that a wasn't that a, like a fast food commercial for a while? Oh, I have no idea. But it's on my, I think it's on my, that one and um, Big Papa by Notorious B.I.G.'s on my workout playlist. Those really get me going. And I have a lot of like, you know, Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Live. and. See, I was talking about Pearl Jam with somebody the other day because I do like a, I, about two or three years ago when I started doing the podcast, I started doing, I was like, you know, I've been, I listen to a lot of just the hits off these albums. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm a little you know, try to make it a challenge where I listen to the entire album and like rank them, like, you know, five being the best or yeah. whatever. So I've listened to a lot. It's about, it's now I, and I, I write it down in a notebook. I don't do it on the computer cause I'm mm-hmm. like old school, but listen to a lot of Pearl Jam. Like I like the hits, but to me, when I start listening to the deep cuts, they all start sounding the same to me. I don't know what yeah, it is. Just Eddie Vedder's voice is so. Yeah. And nice. he's got a distinctive voice. There's no other voice like Eddie Vedder. I really think that's what it is. Because I really like Pearl Jam. But I think. I, but I, I don't not like them. But it was just. Yeah. No, no, no. I see what you're saying. But I think that's I think that's part of the reason why. Just because yeah. you hear him. Like he is. Pearl Jam is Eddie Vedder. That may be what it is. So I'm glad. I'm glad I talked to you tonight. Because you may have solved it. Because I, I was really <laughs> talking. I've talked like two or three people about it. I was like, I don't know what it is. But. Yeah, every song, song and they were like well maybe it's the rhythm and i was like no nah, i don't know if it's the rhythm of it it's just something makes me seem like it's everything sounds the same yeah but i think that's it i think we. I think you solved the mystery there good job Thank so you. let's talk about where we can find you at uh, all your social medias talk a little bit about where we can find carlisle griffin at. absolutely i am on almost all the social medias i'm carlisle griffin music c-a-r-l-y-l-e on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, and then on Spotify and Apple Music, it's just Carlisle Griffin. You can find me there, and that's where all my music is. 
And you also have your website at CarlisleGriffin.com. I'm looking at it right now. You've got uh, got some shows coming up, right? I do. Yeah, I actually have a one that's not on the website yet because it was a very last minute one. I'm flying to Charleston tomorrow uh, to play a show oh, wow. at Royal American downtown Charleston. Um, and then Yavi at Live Oak, we're doing a little 90s country brunch round with some friends of mine right. on Sunday uh, back in Nashville. And then um, I'll be performing with Brickshore Media's 615 Live event. Um, yeah. Music room on, uh, I believe that's the ninth, eighth, the eighth, eighth. June? yeah, yep. June 8th. I get Nicole invited me to come out there for that, but I was like, uh, maybe next year if y'all do it because this is getting off work will be a problem. And I've got a wedding to go to that that weekend, so wouldn't yeah. be good to ask y'all, but I would love to come out there and see all you guys. But uh, yeah, so guys, check her out, check out Say So. Be sure to like her on Facebook. Give her, give her a subscribe to her YouTube channel. I just did uh, yesterday. Uh, but guys, really, we need to push Carl Al Griffin here. And look, is there anything new coming out that we need to be looking for soon? We have some things in the works. No dates or anything yet. Um, but we're looking to put some more stuff out in the next few months. So just keep an eye out on the socials. I will be posting. Um, when things start to to get moving, but just keep a keep a lookout. Yeah, whenever you want to come back on and and push whatever you want to, we'll we'll do that. Maybe we need to get you back on here and do like a top ten one hit wonders. I would love that. <laughs> that would be I when we were talking about Return of the Mac a while ago. I said yeah, we and we need to do a one hit wonder. That's something we need to set up right there. Uh, we got a comment coming, David Richmond. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you catching us right here at the end here, but Miss Carlisle, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. It has been a pleasure, absolute pleasure, to be able to talk to you tonight. I've really enjoyed it. I had a blast with you, and good luck to you. And I, guys, like I said, go check her out. Uh, you will not be disappointed when you hear "Say So." When you hear any of these songs that she's got out, and, and looking forward to hearing new music for you coming soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Stevie. I've enjoyed right. it. You guys have a great night. That was Carlisle Griffin on the fly.